have your way in my life, Lord. Have your way in my life this day, God. Have your way in my mind. Have your way with my heart. Let that be your prayer this morning. Lord, not my will, but thine will be done. We're seeking your perfect will. We desire your perfect will. We want to bring you that faith that you desire. We want to bring you that gift that you desire. We want to give you that obedience that you desire. was thinking as your pastor was speaking, you can be seated. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For these things be in you and abound. They make you that you shall never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he is purged from his sins. I received a phone call. I received phone calls. It's like every time I talk, talk and I talk about a phone call I got. I received a phone call yesterday before church. If it wasn't yesterday, no, I believe it was actually Friday. My wife and my son, I believe, went into... Walmart, and I figured that that would have been the perfect time to take the call. And the pastor called me from another state, and he was concerned about an individual in his church, a fine young couple. He said, "Brother Hurd," he said, "I've got a situation that is going on," and he said, "I just need." some insight whatever you feel from the Lord and he began to discuss to me some things that were going on with a young lady in the church he said brother heard it seems as though over the past six months something has happened to her he said that it's like she is losing her mind. Like we talked about 
the first lady spoke about this morning about our thoughts about our minds I heard someone say years ago that a mind is a terrible terrible thing to waste I remember telling the person at the hotel uh, that we were in I told her a couple of weeks ago she was sitting outside the hotel smoking a cigarette she seemed to be very young to be addicted to cigarettes not that you know you know you're qualified to be addicted to cigarettes after you get to 50 and 60 but I said ma'am I saw music notes all over I said you sing she said yes and um no, it wasn't her. There was someone. I said, do you sing? And she said, I used to. And I said, do you play music? She said, I used to. I said, you need to use what God has given you. Because if you don't use what's been given to you, you have a tendency to lose it. One thing about your brain and the way your mind works, it's a muscle. There's some of you in this room that when you got married, you were buff. It wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't your fine conversation alone. But it was maybe the biceps. Ain't that right, Sister Herb? <laughs> She's still smiling. <laughs> and after a while, you worked out. You built something because you were diligent, you were consistent in exercising those muscles. Till after a while, there's some definition that comes. Why? Because you took the time to build those muscles. But after a while, you become comfortable. And after a while, not only are you comfortable, but sometimes, gentlemen, you're like you've already caught what you wanted. So now since you've caught what you've wanted, there's no point of trying to go through all of that hard work to maintain what you use to catch what you got. So at one time, it was your muscles that were getting bigger. But after a while, you find that it's no longer the muscles that are getting bigger, but it's your belly that's getting bigger.
It's like you take an individual that has no longer found the need. They have, they've come to a place where they feel as though they have apprehended. And through that process, they let things go well. A person said that a mind is a terrible thing the ways. It is possible that this muscle, that if you come to a place where you assume that you've got it all and you stop searching for more, not only do you miss out on what you could have had, but you can lose what you've got. I spoke to a gentleman last night, yesterday morning, and he told me, he said, Brother Hurd, he said, I'm fighting some spirits. It was like yesterday I got two calls from two people that appeared to be going mad. And I asked the gentleman, I said, I said, what's going on? And long before I knew it, I, the Lord spoke to me. And he said that he is chasing deep things of God. Or chasing the supernatural. Without getting into the word of God. He desired to go deeper in the supernatural. But remain shallow in the word. Recipe for disaster. Why? Because the Lord is not the only one that occupies the spirit realm. Not only will you find truth in the spirit, but you will find some of your greatest lies birth out of the spirit realm. I told him, I said, friend of mine, you're shallow in your word. I said, you've spoken to me of several prophets and apostles that you've connected yourself to. He said, Brother Hurd, he said, I'm not shallow in the word. I listen to a lot of preaching. I said, that's the problem. I said, you want impartation with no relationship. Nevertheless, because he refused to get into the word and exercise his mind, he started losing it. See, the thing is, is not just what you've heard preached that needs to get in you. It's what is written. Why? Because everything that is preached is not everything that is written. There was a time where preachers actually opened up the Bible. And they preached the text. 
But today we live in an hour where people don't preach the text. They preach a thought. And from that thought, I'm not saying there's something wrong with it. But if all you are is preacher talk, then when you hear a scripture, you will look at that based upon the thought that was preached. Instead of hearing that scripture based upon the context in which that scripture was written. What do you mean? What may make good preaching might not make good teaching. What may make good preaching may not be good enough to fight against that devil. It may stir you up. It may get you excited. It may get you from Sunday to Thursday night. But when you're in the wilderness and you're fighting the devil, you're going to need something more than something that can just preach. You need something that can fight the adversary that is coming against your mind. Jesus didn't say it is preached. Jesus said it is written. Jesus did not quote, God's going to give me double for my trouble, triple for my ripple. He went into the book I told the young man, I said, what I want you to do, I said, what you need, I said, you're chasing prophets and apostles. I said, and what you need is a pastor. He said, I need, he said, he said, I'm trying to make this man my pastor, but he feels like that. I'm not supposed to be there. Sheep don't sheep don't choose their shepherds. The good shepherd is the one that appoints the shepherd to the sheep. What happened was after that. He said, I want to make this man my pastor. He feels like I should be in another place where I came from. But I know that he hears from God. But the other pastor, I'm concerned with his ability to hear from God. Why? Because this pastor has a prophetic anointing and the other one I want to be under someone that is prophetic I said there's something wrong with you because if you would have read the scriptures and not just been drunk off of good preaching you would have known that it is written that it is my sheep 
hear my voice. And another one they will not follow. I told the young man, I said, young man, you don't have to be prophetic or walk in a prophetic office or have a prophetic gift to hear the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is not delegated to just prophetic people. But hearing the voice of God is delegated on an entry level to people that will submit themselves as sheep to the shepherd. You don't have to go to a conference to hear the voice of God. You submit yourself to the written word of God and you will begin to hear the voice of God. The problem is you've got people that want the voice with no relationship. You want impartation with no relationship. This man began to go mad. Ended up calling him back because I felt like I had something else to share with him. And he began to resist and he began to fight. Why? Because he did not want to submit. See, there's something to be said when we're willing to listen, but we're not willing to search out the scriptures. If you don't search out the scriptures, you will find yourself either not searching anything or you will start searching out preachers. Before church, pastor said, a pastor that called about the young lady said, Brother Hurt, he said, I want to meet with you. He says, it possible that before church, he said, before six, by six o'clock, he said, can I FaceTime you with this couple? And, uh, and, and you can minister to them. And I said, I've got church tonight. I said, but whenever I get out, I said, when I get back to the room, if they're there, if you can have them there around that time. I said, I will try to speak with them and minister to them. Philippians. quotes a few things that are similar to what Peter quoted. Except it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. It's not good just to make a, your request known unto God. It's not good just to pray and make supplication. But it needs to be saturated with thanksgiving. You want to go mad? You want to feel like you're losing your mind after a great revival? Pray with no thanksgiving. See, the thing is, I'm telling you that this thing works. The kingdom of God works. The Bible still works. 
but you cannot leave out detailed ingredients. You can't be like the person that says, I'll, I'll take this, but I'm going to shave that off. I'm telling you this works. But if you're going to be effective and keep your mind and keep your faith, he establishes, be careful for nothing. That means, I remember when I was coming up, I first got the Holy Ghost, they said, be careful for nothing, man. You know, don't do that. Because if you do that, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to do that because something might happen. I've got to be careful for nothing. That's not what it means. Being careful for nothing means being full of care for things. Being overly anxious for things. The only thing you should be anxious for is the Lord. Nothing else. He established, he says, there is nothing that you need to be full of care for. If it's your health, don't be full of care of it. Now, I know that the world says there's something wrong if you don't. But that's why the Bible tells us to do what? Come out. From among the world. We are not only just coming out in dress. We're coming out in systems. Why? Because you can have a change in your dress. But if there's no change in your system. There's no change in your system. You know. It's like this. I don't care too much for Ford products. I had a Ford and it caused me problems. But then I found on Craigslist one day a Jaguar. And it was right in my Purchasing price. I felt like the Lord had brought the prices down for me. I didn't pray on it. Told my wife, I said, let's get in the car. We're going to Kentucky. I'm getting ready to get my all black Jaguar. I got there. Got the Jaguar. And I was like, oh yeah. I remember someone saying, you know, my mechanic said, you know, I can't fix those. I was like, well, we're going to pray. <laughs> There you go. Now we're going to pray. <laughs> Get the Jaguar. 
And lo and behold, after a few months, a vehicle that had a particular name or a particular reputation is now doing things that it ought not have done or what I thought it should not have done. It's functioning not like a Jaguar, but it's functioning like a Ford. It had the Jaguar emblem on it. But then when I started trying to find parts, why? Because, you know, I couldn't afford to fix it. I went on eBay to try to find parts. And lo and behold, I found out that the Jaguar parts on that vehicle fit some of the Ford. I found out that this Jaguar was Jaguar in name, but under the hood had Ford parts. See, the thing was Ford bought out Jaguar that year. Can I talk to somebody this morning? It is possible to kind of have the right name. It is possible to have the right name, but the wrong product. It's possible to have the right name with the wrong parts. It is possible to be separated in dress but have a Ford system running your vehicle. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? This is why I've quoted over and over and over again every single service. Be not conformed unto this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Listen. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made new. Being made new, that comes with coming into Christ. But being transformed, that's your responsibility. See, the thing is, you thought that the transformation of the mind would come just by you just getting the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost's job to do the transformation of your mind. It is your job to say, I'm not going to be conformed unto this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of the mind that I may prove. The Lord already knows what is good and acceptable, but it is for you to know. It's for you to prove that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. There has to be something in your heart that desires the perfect will instead of just 
the acceptable will. So, you've got Holy Ghost. You've got a name. But you've got a responsibility that comes with the name. Just because you've got the name doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want with that name. I have a key fob on a vehicle back home. And if I'm going to start that vehicle, it is not just good for the key fob just to be somewhere in the vehicle. If I put that key fob in the trunk, that vehicle is not going to run. That vehicle, that key fob must be somewhere in close proximity to the steering wheel. If that thing is going to start, if you're going to function and get somewhere in the kingdom of God, you've got to get the key fob in close proximity to where that thing can start. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? There are instructions. You can't be the person that builds your, your, anybody got family members that when something, your wives, you get that thing that comes in from Amazon or not Amazon. What's that furniture place? Yeah, that one. What's the place they built over there in Noblesville, Tasha? Ikea. And your husband says, I'll put it together. <laughs> Somebody already know where I'm going with this one. The wife puts it together. She brings out all the, she puts out the map. Number one, twos, number three, schools, number four represents this, number five represents that. She has everything laid out. She's going to do the job and it's going to take her, you know, a few hours. She's given herself some time. But the man says, I'll do it. And he doesn't bring out the instructions. I'll just throw that in the trash. You put this together before? No, I can see the I can see the picture on the box. Some of you wives is looking at the husband like he preaching to thank the Lord, the Lord. I've been trying to tell him, but the you get this word. He's like, I can put this together. Next thing you know, he's trying to build something. The 
instructions teach you how to build from the inside out. But you've got to search out what's written. But if you won't search what is written, and you're going by what's on the box, now you're left with trying to build something from the outside in. And I'm afraid that many of us, because we refuse to search the scripture, we're trying to build something from the outside in instead of from the inside out. And then what happens is we're trying to figure out why are we left with these bolts and these screws and these things. And you say, well, we don't really need all that. It's like going to the mechanic. I don't even know why they even put that there. This will work. The Lord spoke to me. He said, George, he said, the church has become satisfied with doing what works instead of pursuing what is right and what is perfect in the will of God. God's not coming back for a church that works. He's coming back for a church that is without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. He's coming back for something perfect. What do you mean? Perfect. Will of God. Paul says, be careful for nothing. If you say that you're full of anxiety, you can't get this thing off of your mind. You got this thing that's coming up on Tuesday, on Thursday, or Friday. And and, and whenever there's some pressure, you can't get that. That thing just rests there. You're not in the will of God. You're supposed to have this thing in subjection to you, not you in subjection to it. Your mind should be superior To anything that is going on in your world. The Lord transformed the world by his mind. And if you're made in the image and the likeness of God and you're taking on the identity of Christ. Your mind should not be full of problems. But your mind should be full of Christ. Bible says let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart see the thing is there's people in this room today That the reason why it's challenging for you to come and worship and praise God and keep your joy is because you've got the wrong thing keeping your mind. 
Reason why it's hard for you to keep your joy is because something else is keeping your mind. You pray, but, 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 but you have no peace. And the reason why you pray because you have no peace, you have no peace after you've prayed because you've prayed with no thanksgiving. Be careful for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. If you make a request without being thankful, don't expect to have any peace. Maybe instead of you being quick to get into the presence of God to make your request known, why don't you itemize the scripture? And actually walk through the process and take your time so that you can get the results, so that you can get that finished product instead of trying to build and get what you want, building from the outside in. Peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your mind. Through Jesus Christ. It is possible. For your mind to be here. And your heart to be there. God wants to not only keep your mind. But he also wants to keep your hearts. But there is a responsibility. If you are a person. I got to get it now. 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 You are overly anxious. You are full of care. God's like, I'm not going to give you that until you learn how to keep your mind. Would you give your child something that its mind is not ready for? Would you give your child something that they're not ready for. God has given us authority. But the thing is, if we're going to be submitted to God, we cannot have anything having authority over us in our life. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are true, See, the reason why you're frustrated and you're confused is because somewhere along the line, you're meditating on the lie. He tells you what to think. You know, I never understood people that go to the doctor and say, Doc, my blood pressure's up. My, 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 my sugar level's all out of control. I don't know what's going on. And the doctor says, all right, I want you to stay away from the salt. I want you to back away from all this sugar you've been eating. I want you to get you some rest. And if you do that, we should see your levels, your, your, your numbers change, and your blood pressure go down, and your sugar level will taper off. But then they go home. 
and they frying pork chops. Eating chitlins. Sucking on pork rinds. Eating cake. Going to the diners to get the big cake. Taking in all this stuff and they're trying to figure out why they're not getting the change that they need. Listen. My thoughts is that if I was a doctor, my name would probably fit very well. Dr. Hurt. Because I might tell them something that might hurt. I would be the person that say, you just want to die. Don't, 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 don't come here no more. Just call, call, have your family call me when, when, when they need somebody to sign a death certificate. You wasted my time. Why are you coming to me wanting to get some results and you won't apply what I'm telling you want your blood pressure to come down you need to apply the instructions that have been given I had a good friend he's dead now an older friend of mine <laughs> my wife probably know exactly who I'm getting ready to talk about his brother he's a diabetic Always had gangrene, always had problems. I go to, we go fishing. He'd be like, go, go, uh, go over there to Burger King. You may get your salad. I don't want no salad. Give me a Whopper with cheese and some French fries. You want the, they got, the, they got one of them Hershey cakes. Give me a Hershey cake. You, you you want some water? No, I don't want no water. I want some. Give me a Coke, Pepsi, a product or something. He's sitting on the lake. He's having an, a reaction. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the devil trying to kill me. My wife is laughing, but she knows it. She knows it. She's been there. Blood of Jesus. Oh, God. The devil trying to kill Jesus. <laughs> the devil ain't got to try to kill you. You're killing yourself. Some of us are blaming the devil for what we're doing. The devil didn't make you neglect what is written. You made a choice to choose to do what you felt instead of doing what is written. It's like I tell someone, this is what I want you to do. If you do this, it will work. The issue is they just don't want to do it. 
But they don't, I found out that people will take up your time talking about what they want to do. Talking about what they want done. But won't put forth that same amount of time doing what it takes to get it done. Some folks want to talk about it, but don't want to be about it. If you're going to have peace in this hour, you've got to put forth an effort. The problem is, is that many of us are spoiled. I was talking to a preacher the other day. And he said, Brother Hurd, I want you to come to the church. He was like, I think we can. He's like, you know, it would be good if you come. You know, I I was trying to give him a certain date. He's like, you know, I'm not for sure. My my saints, you know, some of them, man, you know, I got to give them time. And I said, you know what? I said, this is the problem. I was like, you need to just go ahead and tell those people that if I said that God is moving in sudden, I was like, just like you see things changing in this world, stuff is just happening suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. I said, God is moving in the sudden. I said, and if your sheep don't know how to move with the sudden, they're going to be lost and they're going to miss God. I said, what shepherd has to give the sheep some two-week advertisement for the sheep to follow the shepherd. The sheep follow when the shepherd leads. The sheep follow when the shepherd speaks. I said, brother, I said, what's going on? I said, you need to just tell the people. You need to just understand that some of your people are going to be lost. But if you sit back and you try to cater to that spirit, you got a great following. But just because you got a following doesn't mean they're following Christ. God's looking for someone that not only wants the results, but do what it will take to get it. You can't try to skip over something. If God is telling you to come with thanksgiving, you need to come with thanksgiving. Why? Because the Bible says, in the last days, many shall be unthankful, ungrateful, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, more than lovers of God. Self-centeredness. If you're full of care, you're full of self-centeredness. I'm trying to help someone this morning. It's not you just stepping out and just saying, all right, I'm just going to start praising God. You need to do that. But you also need to say, you know what? I'm going to start checking some things. When I see my mind starting to drift, I'm going to put a halt to that thing and say, you know what? I'm going to bring this thing under subjection. How am I going to bring it up? Through the obedience of Christ. Says, 
Whatsoever things that are true, whatsoever things that are not just true, but things that are honest. You need to think on things that have integrity. Not just your personal integrity. But if all you're doing is thinking about how this person can get at you. If all you're doing is thinking about what the devil's going to do next, you're going to miss what God's doing now. Whatsoever things that are just. Whatsoever things that are pure. Whatsoever things that are lovely. Whatsoever things that are of good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise. Think on these things. If what you're thinking don't bring praise to God, you're thinking on the wrong thing. But the thing is, is well, well, if I do that, how can I do that? How can I do something like that? You want me to ignore all the things that are going on? We consider that an insult. Like live like I'm in a fairy tale? That's the problem is that we've made God and living in the perfect will of God and having the mind of God. We have associated that with a fairy tale. Fictitious living. Wistful thinking. Some people say you must have your head in the sand. No, I've got my hand, my head in the book. I've got my head in the presence of God. I've allowed my mind not to be consumed by the spirits and the things that are flowing through this world, but I've allowed my mind to be consumed by the word of God. The Lord is going to dictate to me what's going to come in my mind, what's going to stay in my mind, what's going to come in my heart, and what's going to stay in my heart. Why? Because whatever has your mind will have your heart. And whatever has your heart has your life. Scripture declares out of the, out of the heart flows all the issues of life. You got any issues in your life? Check what's in your heart. Because long before it was an issue in your life, it was an issue in your heart. And if you want to change the issues of your life, you need to change the issues that are in your heart. That means that we move beyond just coming to church and waiting for somebody else to change our issues. You know, there are people that jump from church to church based upon the preacher or based upon the music. There are people whose commitment to God is based upon what the platform is doing. That's not where you're going to find peace. Why? He said, in this world you will have tribulation. In me you will have peace. See, the thing is, we're praying for peace in this world. 
you know, there are folks that are coming together like, what can we do? You got, you got preachers that are coming together and they're saying, what can we do to bring peace to our city? You've got it. You're following an antichrist agenda, buddy. Now, I'm not saying that it erases the fact the Bible says follow peace with all man. But there is no peace to the wicked. If you want an atmosphere of peace, you need to walk in the spirit. But it is not the agenda of God to bring peace to this world. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. He said, I came to bring a sword. To do what? A sword to divide. You, you thought the devil was the one dividing. And you thought Christ is the one bringing peace. That's the reason why the Jews will receive an antichrist. Because the Antichrist is going, to pre- is going to try to preach peace and say that the church and say that God is behind the division and make God out to be the villain and make him out to be the true Messiah. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? Peace is not something that God wants to give you just outwardly. He wants to give it to you inwardly. But you have to be committed to the deeper things of God. That means that if all this stuff out here can be touched, then maybe I should start building some things up and put in my heart in places that can't be touched. Maybe I can't put my heart, put my treasures on earth, put my heart where earthly treasures are. Maybe I need to put my heart where the heavenly treasures are, where moth and rust don't corrupt it. What happens? The whole world can burn down tomorrow. But you can come out and say, he put a song in my heart. A song of his praises. A song that talks about he brought me out of the miry clay. Songs that, 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 that in spite of whatever's going on, it does not impact what's going on in here. Why? Because you've fortified some things. You've put some walls up. You've put some boundaries up. And you've allowed there to be that you're, you've, you've allowed it to be in such a way that your mind is only going to think on certain things. Listen, if you don't govern what your mind thinks on, then you will be governed. By every thought that comes to your mind. Lift your hands. Help me to think right. 
Put your hands down. Like you've, I've told you about my testimony. I remember when they were tearing up Indianapolis. I went downtown preaching on the circle. You know, I got two favorite colors. It's black and red. Usually I wear a lot of black. I like red. My wife told me to quit wearing it. She said, I ain't in those days no more. I like to wear black. And if you see me in just everyday attire, a lot of times you'll probably see me with all black on. It's walking around downtown. People just assumed that like I was there to tear the club up, you know, because everybody was rioting and protesting. I came down there to preach. These folks up there angry. I'm happy. <laughs> you ever been around people that are mad because you're happy? Prison was my first exposure to it. Folks walking around. <laughs> people get, get mad over it. What you, what you smiling about? <sighs> walking around here all happy. Like, I mean, what's wrong with me being happy? I've been here for 20, 30 years with you. You're, you're smiling too much. Something got to be wrong. Then the ju- Ain't you facing time? Yeah, but I got a peace on the inside. Misery loves company. I refuse to allow myself to be subjected to what the culture thinks I should be doing. I remember people saying, where's the rage? I didn't like what the police officer did to that man. I didn't like what the police did to me. Like I said, I had a cocaine case that I had to fight that was planted on me by the police. I don't know why he did that. I don't know. I know I had to be willing to forgive him. People said, where's the rage? When I got the Holy Ghost, God delivered me from rage. See, the thing is, shouldn't no saint in the church that's blood-bought, Holy Ghost field have rage in their heart? Rage is a spirit. And maybe you've never been bound by rage. But if you've been bound by rage, trust me. When you get free from rage, you don't want to have anything to do with rage. I I know some folk. They avoid certain situations. Why? Because a true person that will do something to you will do whatever it takes to avoid that thing from ever rising up. Why? Because they are fearful of the very spirit that binds them. Because they don't know exactly what they might do to you. They said, where's the rage? 
And there were people that were normally happy people that were like, well, they're, they're, they're asking me, why, why, why don't I have rage in my spirit? Why am I angry? So now what happens is somebody starts trying to find a way to get angry. It's like this. Like, sooner or later, church, you got to be careful about the things that are in this world. You got to be careful about the things that become popular and creep into the church. You don't let anyone demand anything out of you that's not written. Because in order for me to produce rage, rage must be in my spirit. Rage is out of control. And the reason why I'm talking about that, because it's right now it's relevant to the time. Because what's happening is this. There are people that are like this. If you're happy, if we're in church and everybody sitting around here is happy and rejoicing, and you're sitting back like, mm-hmm. people are going to look at you. What's going on with you? There are times where I've gone to places, and I, I remember one time I was in a church. I was invited to a place to preach not far from here, a couple cities over, a couple states over. I was like, this is not right. I was like, this is straight up witchcraft going on in here. And like, I couldn't get with it. And if I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to fake the phone. No, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to, and the thing is, I'm going to try to keep myself under, keep my composure. But usually if I'm not feeling you, I can't, I'm not feeling it. It's hard for me to fake like I'm feeling you. And I, you know, I just keep it real. But the way the world is operating, if you're not happy when they're happy, then something's wrong with you. And if you're not mad when they're mad, then something's wrong with you. And when you come out of the stuff that I come out of, when you, you know, like, I'm, why, am I, why am I mad at this dude because he's a, a gangster disciple? I don't even know him. Why am I getting mad at people walking on my side of town because they're wearing blue? Man, the pastor's got on blue. He's never done anything to me. But it's like I'm being told how to respond to people that I don't even know. It's a system. And the same thing that happens in gangs is now happening on a bigger scale in the world. And the church is being pressured to take a side instead of taking a stand. A man that hath not control over his own spirit is like a city without walls. Church, if you're going to have peace, 
in your city, you've got to have walls around your spirit. Why? Because we pray for this city, but we don't pray for this city. He said, a man that hath not control over his own spirit is like a city without walls. I believe that if you were to cut us open, I believe that you would find little cities. And the thing is, God wants peace in this city. And you don't sacrifice peace in this city to get peace in that city. You follow me? Get ready to get out of here. Giving all diligence. It's not good just to say you got faith. You better add to it. Don't just say, you know, I got all I need. Uh, You know, the Lord don't ever do nothing else. I'm good. No, 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 no. That sounds good. For your testimony service. But everything that may move the crowd don't move the heavens. What may make you shout might make you cry later. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue, you need to add some knowledge. You need to know something. You can't be shallow. You need to go deeper. Knowledge, you need some temperance. You got to have some self-control about yourself. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness. You have a responsibility to your brother and sister in the Lord. This is going to help your faith. Not only is this going to help your faith, But God wants to move the body from being unfruitful to being fruitful. Because it's our culture to esteem the people that are fruitful to the, if you're fruitful, that's abnormal. No. He said, brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, God don't just want them in you. They need to abound in you. They make you that you shall never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. You don't have to be prophetically gifted to see afar off. Make sure these things abound in you. And you might be able to see further than your prophet. You might be able to see further than the person in the church with the prophetic gifting. Why? Because one is a gift. This one deals with character and spiritual stability. One comes by impartation. The other one comes By sanctification, stability, balance, adding to your faith instead of being satisfied 
with just the faith that you've got. He said, but he that lacketh these things. Thing is, if you don't, if you lack this, you're going to be blind. Not going to be able to see afar off. And you know what else? You forget that you were purged from your sin. Guilt, shame, condemnation. You have no way to have joy. Remember David said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You won't have any strength because you won't have any joy. And the reason why you won't have any joy is because you will forget that you will purge from your sin. That moves us to the place where we're no longer are just looking for some major thing to happen to give God praise for. Or there has to be something current. But the blood of Jesus being shed in our life and the blood of Jesus washing away our sins and being purged from our sins that should be the most exciting thing, thank you, that really gets us stirred up. What are you saying, Brother Herb? We're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. God is establishing you. God is maturing you for the city that's to come. You want to go there? I told my wife this morning, I said I had a dream. I had a dream that I had one more day to live. And in this dream, at first I didn't know how to respond because it, it caught me off guard. But I only had one day to live. First few people I went to, I tried to, I, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was trying to get people to feel sorry for me. Then I stopped and I began to realize that I had been living for what God wanted to do today and what God wanted to do tomorrow for here. Not understanding that tomorrow can be the day that I leave out of here. Sometimes we put eternity off. But oftentimes eternity is much closer to you than what you think. He is giving you time not just to live. He's giving you time to prepare your heart to meet him. When people get married very fast, Sometimes it takes away the excitement that you have for the day of the wedding. But when you begin to take time, 
put it off six, seven months, eight months, a year, and give you time to prepare. Not only are you preparing yourself, but your heart is getting fixed and your heart is getting ready. And you begin to see some things about yourself that you know that you can't bring into the marriage. You start preparing your heart. You start preparing your mind for the idea of spending the rest of your life with someone you just met. How much more would it be if we're going to spend the rest of eternity with a king that we've never seen face to face? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Since then till now, he's making preparations. How much of a disappointment would be if you had a man and you had a woman that have a wedding date and only one was making preparation. Isn't eternity worth preparing for? Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Transform my mind. I want a mind that's ready to see you. I want your peace. Not just as a tool to keep my mind. I want your peace. Because I want you. And I know that if I apprehend you, then I shall have peace. I'm thankful. Lord, I have minimized your salvation that you've given to me. Instead of magnified the God of my salvation. Like the pastor said, you can take that magnifying glass and you can put it on an object. That object never changes. It's the same size, but it's your perception of the object that changes. God is the same size he's always been. Is immeasurable. But he doesn't want you to minimize him and magnify things that are much smaller than him. We're going to a place, we're going to a city whose builder and maker. God John said I saw 
The heavens depart like a scroll. The earth was burned up. He said, then I saw a new heaven. And I saw a new earth. Don't let your excitement for heaven rest upon the enthusiasm or the lack of enthusiasm of people that are in your home, people that are in this world, people that you come to church with. Because everyone that is with you now won't fly with you. Two shall be in the field. One taken. The other one left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One taken. The other one left. Two shall be upon the rooftop. One taken. The other one left. Two shall be in the bed. One taken. Other one left. When I think about the bed, I think about a husband and wife. What do you do if you're the only one that is excited about your relationship with God and the city that you're going to? Do you magnify the lack of your spouse's desire to see God and minimize the city? See, the thing is, you can't expose the magnet. You can't put the magnifying glass on both places. You can only choose one. The Lord has already established what is big and what is small. But you've got a choice to choose what you're going to put the magnifying glass on. Create in me a clean heart. Is there somebody in this room this morning that wants a clean heart? Begin to talk to them. You can't create it, but he can. You can't renew your spirit, but he can. He can renew a right spirit in you. I don't want to build from the outside in. I want to build from the inside out. I want to get into your word. For the Bible says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. We need to search them. Come on, somebody. A surrenderance of will. I'm not going to add to depression. I'm going to add to my faith virtue not living in subtraction of spiritual things that come from God. Before I subtract from the spirit, I will subtract from the flesh. The man of God said, I must decrease so that he can increase. 
Is heaven worth the decrease? Or is your increase worth more than heaven? You have to make a choice. And with that choice, you can't follow the crowd. You've got to make a choice to choose whether or not your relationship with God will be based upon the crowd or based upon the cloud. Is there anyone in this room this morning that will follow the cloud? For the Spirit of God is in this place. Whatever it takes, I'm going. Stand to your feet. I surrender all. I remember when I was a child and I heard that song. I surrender all. What has a hold of your mind, you need to surrender it. What has a hold of your heart, you need to surrender it. You need to surrender your your dreams. You need to surrender your visions. You need to surrender your goals. You need to surrender your life. Surrender your family. Surrender your time. Not my will, but your will be done. Is that somebody in this room that that's your prayer? That's your prayer. I want you to reach out to God right now. You might not be able to come to this altar, but that doesn't mean that you can't build an altar right there in your seat, right where you're at right now. Hallelujah. of these mornings we're going to fly out of here I must one of these mornings heaven their home somebody in this room is going to make New Jerusalem their home I'm going to change what I allow to excite me For a long time, we've been excited about advancement of temporary things. But there is an eternal advancement that we are on the threshold of. 
I didn't come this far to turn back. Hallelujah. I didn't come this far to turn back. Out of all the hell he's brought me out of, out of all the love that he has given, not turning back now. George, you're on your last breath. You're on your deathbed. If you could go back to January of 1998, would you do it all over again? Yes. Would you have gone to that church? Would you have walked down that altar? Yes. Even if it cost you pain, even if it cost you trouble, even if it cost you trouble, yes. If you could have done it all over again, would you have went and got baptized in the name? Yes. I'd do it all over again. I'd come to him all over again. I'd fall before him broken all over again. I don't regret serving the Lord. I don't regret answering that call. I don't regret coming to that altar. I don't regret. There's a lot of things I don't like. But when it came down to responding to God, I don't regret it. I don't regret the nights I cried out to God when I didn't know how I was going to make it. I don't regret it. Hallelujah. I don't regret choosing Jesus over choosing friends. I don't regret the relationships that I lost that I might apprehend Christ. I don't I don't regret it. I don't regret the persecution and the pain that I took because of my stance for the Lord. I don't regret it. Hallelujah. Come on. I may regret a lot of things. There's anything I regret, I regret that I didn't respond sooner. If there's anything I regret, I regret that I didn't love them more. If there's anything I didn't regret, I, I, I regret that I, that I didn't give them more, that I, that I didn't die more, that I didn't worship more, that I didn't praise them more, that I wasn't grateful more, that I wasn't thankful more. Is there somebody in this room? Oh. How about the times that he took me down pathways? I didn't know what he was doing. The nights 
that I looked to the left and I couldn't find them. The nights I looked to the right, couldn't find them. The nights that I looked in front of them and I couldn't find them. And I looked to the behind me and I couldn't find them. The nights that I had the trust that he knew the way that I took, I don't regret it. The valleys, the shadows of death that he used as a tool, as a vehicle to bring me closer to him. The experience might have been painful, but the outcome I'm grateful for. I have no regrets. My brother with the white shirt on or the yellow shirt with the black mask on, should raise your hands. I don't know who you are, my friend. But the Lord told me to tell you, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the prison. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the prison. I see a lot of men around you. And I see them crying out to God behind prison bars. The Lord told me to tell you, he said, I'm going to give you the keys that will unlock prison doors. For the Lord said that there was a part of you that felt as though you belonged there's a part of you that feels like you belong in prison. But the Lord says that my mercy is what has brought you this far. His mercy is what has delivered you. His mercy is what has transformed you. The Lord said this day, you are a person with a lot of influence. There are men that sit back, they listen to you. You're an influential person when it comes down to young men. You're a person that you kind of shoot straight. You're, you're, You're a straight shooter. Even if you're the person that You will tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, and things that have been said in a long time. And you you get away with saying things that other people can't say. The Lord says, the time that you felt like you lost, he said there... You're stepping into a season that what he was doing for you to help people in a dark season of your life, 
you're going to begin to see God do that in this season of your life, except on a whole greater level. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And you're going to submit yourself like you've never submitted yourself before. God is going to soften your heart even more. And I see you breathing the words of life into dying men and young men that feel like their life and their time is over with. All I see is a ministry of restoration. And God's going to put you in contact with the right people that will help put tools in the hands of men, natural tools, that don't have the means to provide and do for themselves. Our brother that's... I assume is with your wife with the white. She has the white shirt. This your wife. She to hold hands. She raise your hands up towards heaven. I want you to say, Lord, I believe that you can do it again. We learn as we go. We learn as we grow. You can learn from your victories and you can learn from your defeats. This day, I want you to put your hand to the plow. And I want you to push. Because where you have been is not where you're going. The Lord says, pick up your sickle and reap the harvest. The Lord said, I did not cause you to blend. He said, but I called you to step out. The hand of the Lord is upon you. Do not allow yesterday's defeats to determine tomorrow's victory. This night in the name of Jesus, 
You owe no more explanations. Quit trying to explain yourself to man. And let God's hand do the explaining. As you submit yourself to the voice of God. In the name of Jesus this day, Lord God, I thank you, Lord. That even through suffering, we know you. That even when suffering comes, people may walk out. People may die. But you remain. We thank you, Lord. For your abiding presence. So somebody in this room that is grateful to God that he remains. We're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You want to comfort someone next to you? Comfort them with these words. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's not over. Tell them that the Lord is coming. Tell them that the Lord is coming. Lord, this day I pray that this coming will no longer be a fairy tale in the hearts of your people. But let it be an expectation, let it be a motivation. Let it be an everlasting imprint and a desire to seek that day. There are things that are coming, but there is one that is greater than the things that are coming. And what we're going to do is we're going to look beyond 
the things that are coming to this world and look to the one that's coming and that shall meet us in the sky. Is there somebody in this room that wants to fly out of here? Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're thankful to be a part of the body of Christ, make your thanksgiving and your praises known unto the Lord. If you've got sin in your life, And you want it gone. You not only just want to walk with the Lord here, but you want to fly with him when he leaves, when he returns. But there's sin in your life right now. Are you ready to make the commitment to come walk with God? I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it high. You say, I've got sin in my life. And I want it gone. I want to go walk. I want to come and I want to walk with God. Raise that hand high. You're going to repent of those sins right now. That means I'm turning from it. I'm turning from everything that's not like God. You're going to confess it before him, not with your mind, but with your mouth. Tell him what you are tangled in. And when you tell him that, I want you to turn towards the Lord. God's going to give you the power to stay out of it. But you've got to open your mouth and acknowledge that you're in it. And as you begin to do that, and you confess it with a broken heart and you repent with a broken heart, with the willingness to submit yourself to the direction that God gives next for your life before the end of the hour God will wash away your sins and if you never receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost God will fill you with the Holy Ghost this day in Jesus name if you have never if you've never been baptized I want you to raise your hands 
if you were baptized before, but it was in the name of the, you've been baptized once, but it was in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I want you to raise your hand. If you have never received the Holy Ghost, if you never talked in tongues before, I want you to raise your hand. You never received it. What's your name? Amanda. Amanda. Where were you baptized? Here. You want the Holy Ghost today? There's going to be some people as you step out of the aisle. They're going to meet you in that back room. And God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Go ahead and step on out. Oh, you got to go the other way. My bad. I, I see there's a rope. There's someone, whoever's. We got somebody that's going to the back. She needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody else in this room. You've never received the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost. You can walk to the back. God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Whether you're young or whether you're old. In Jesus' name. Put your hands together and worship the Lord. that you're sitting all over there, your family. I'm not going to get in the business of God. I'm just going to tell you what I hear. The Lord says, when your mother and your father forsake you, the Lord says, I will take you up. You belong to God. When you understand that, You are his son. He is your heavenly father. Sometimes you look for a place where you can fit. And you fit right into the presence of God. 
The Lord said, do not allow temporary setbacks to define the rest of your time. The Lord is ordering your steps. I want you to increase your faith. I want you to believe God. And not just believe him. But I want you to see yourself the way God sees you. Take this added pressure that you've got and throw it out the window. The Lord's mercies. It's of his mercies that we're not consumed. I don't want you living as if your story is over. It hasn't even really begun. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that your blessings would be upon him. Are you married? Okay. Be upon him and his family. In the name of Jesus, pray the blessings of God upon him and his family. Lord, I ask that you would subtract what needs to be subtracted that multiplication can take place. There's a multiplication that is going to take place but there must be a subtraction of distraction. And when the subtraction of the distraction takes place, there's going to be a multiplying. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for my friend and his family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and worship the Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Now put your voice with those hand claps as I turn the service over into the hands of the pastor in Jesus' name.